Take your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Congratulations to all of our graduates. Just it's a great time in their lives when they get to take off like that. Uh, the young lady who's headed to beauty school, you learn how to cut that hair and come back, you'll get rich around here. We'll fix you up. I saw this past week that a, a salon, a studio, uh, in right downtown Manhattan in New York has reopened this week. And the stylist there, she has 1,000 people on her waiting list to get their hair cut at $1,000 a cut. I'm going to Leon's Beauty School. I'm going to learn how to do that stuff. I'd, I'd do it for 500 a head is what I'd do it for. I may even know you live in a nation that has lost its mind when 1,000 folks are lined up to pay that much to get their hair cut. All righty, what a wonderful, only in America. All righty, I want to talk to you today, and, and uh, maybe new to some of you, but I want to talk to you today about joy for the journey. We're going to spend some time for several weeks talking about joy. We're going to talk about the joy of Jesus, and uh, it, it is just desperately needed in this day. And I'm going to say some things and show you some things in Scripture that maybe you've never heard before. I want you to just listen to what I've got to say from, and make sure you can always see what I say in God's Word. Don't just take my word for stuff. You need to be able to look in your Bible and say, yeah, right there it is. That's right. And we're living in a day where you need to test everything, as the Scripture says, and hold on to what the Bible teaches. I want you to just listen to what I have to say today from Scripture. I want you to listen with your heart, see if you hear the voice of God in this. And I want to make an announcement. There is a supernatural joy that comes from the presence of God in our lives, and we need it today. And uh, I want to read to you that we're going to talk about the book of Philippians. And uh, let me just tell you this about the book of Philippians. As, as I've told you before, different books in the Bible have different themes. It's where God speaks on different issues. Uh, Galatians is freedom. Ephesians is in Christ. But Philippians is the book of joy, where it talks about the joy of Jesus and the joy of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we desperately need this. And the whole book just... It, it, we're going to look at this book, and it, and it just talks about in the most difficult surroundings and in the most difficult day, you can just be baptized in the joy of Jesus and His presence. And it, it, we're not talking about happy people. We're not talking about upbeat people with a positive attitude. We're talking about God and a Holy Spirit joy that He gives and that He lifts people up with it. I want to look at just one verse in Philippians. It's a very brief verse. But it is a verse that speaks volumes, and it's verse 4 of chapter 4, Philippians 4.4, 4, and it says this. Rejoice in the Lord when the sun is shining. What's the word always mean in the Greek? Somebody take a guess. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I want you to see one thing right there. It is possible, and by the way, let, let me define the word rejoice for you. Greek word chiro, it, here's the definition of it. To feel and show great joy and delight. To experience great joy and delight and to show it. That's the definition. There are four words in the this one Greek word, charo, and it's translated four different ways in the New Testament. Rejoice, glad, joy, delight. When you see any one of those four words in the New Testament, it's that root word, and I just want you to see from Scripture, you, you say, I, I don't believe that can happen. That, that's fine. Just stay with me for a little bit. But can you see in that verse that there's a possibility that you can live in the supernatural joy of God all the time? What's the word always mean? You can experience the joy of God all the time. Now, 
human natural joy is when things are going good, I'm happy. When things are going bad, I'm not happy. That's natural. We're talking about supernatural today. There is a supernatural joy that comes from God that will let you live in it all the time. And, the, and this is what the book of Philippians is all about here. Now, um, let me say again, it's not, you don't have to try to be happy. I think people need to do some things to be happy, but it's not like, come on, man, get happy. Put on a happy, we're not talking about that. This comes from God. He gives it to people. I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. There was the, the, when you, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Anybody ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Once you meet Jesus, He's supposed to carry you. He's supposed to be your everything. When you think of Holy Spirit, what do you think? Well, number one, when I used to think of Him as a young man, I didn't think anything because I'd never heard of Him. And then after I got around some people that were sort of goofed up, I thought, Holy Spirit, weird. I'm just being honest because I met a bunch of weird folks and they always babbled about the Holy Ghost and they were weird. And I didn't want anything to do with it. But let me teach you something from the Bible. If when you think of the Holy Spirit, you don't think of joy, you don't know the Holy Spirit of the Bible. You should think of three things when you think Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Those are the three things that he brings into people's lives. Galatians 5.22 says this. The fruit of the Spirit, three things, actually nine, but three major ones, are love and what? It, dear ones, it's not the fruit of Brian. I don't have to work it up. It's not my effort. If the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in your life, tell me what it'll be. You know what fruit means, what you'll see on the outside if this is on the inside. If he's allowed to do what he does on the inside, what will I see on the outside of a person? Listen, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not a black dress and your hair in a bun. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is not religious weirdness. That, that's the fruit of religious weirdness. The fruit of the Spirit that you'll see, when people know the Holy Spirit, what are you going to see? They're going to be compassionate and loving, but they're going to have joy all over them. It comes from God. It's a gift from God, and they're going to be at peace. And then when you have those three things, the next six automatically follow. People that have spirit, love, joy, and peace are going to be patient, kind, good, faithful, on and on. But I want you to see in Galatians 5.22 that there is a Holy Spirit joy and it comes from God. You don't have to fake it till you make it, pretend and all that stuff. You, you can't get around God himself, which is the spirit, and not be full of joy. It's impossible. We won't look at it, but you, if you want to make a note, Psalm 1611 says this, in thy presence, it doesn't say in thy presence is joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You can't get in the presence of God and not come away with joy. Because where God is, joy is. I know that sounds crazy. I know that stuns you if you've ever been to church. But when I read in the Bible that in thy presence is fullness of joy, Bob, let me just stop right here and say something. Here's your trigger warning. Y'all know what a trigger warning is? It's what candy cane colleges have to give candy cane students before they say something that might offend them. So here's your trigger warning. You've heard it. If this Bible's true, in thy presence is fullness of joy, that's how I know the presence of God is not in a lot of churches. Now, listen, I, joy is the badge of God. So I never heard that. Well, I never heard it, and I never saw it either. Until I started reading, listen, let me make an announcement. God wrote a book. 
and the book is right and everything else is wrong. If you don't ever hear anything else, I say you better hear that. This book is right, everything else is wrong that disagrees with it. And it's just the badge of God. It's, it, it's His presence. We have lost the joy of the Holy Spirit in the American church today. And we have got to get it back because of what's coming ahead. We desperately need to retain and, re, and refine and regrab the joy of the Holy Spirit back in our lives again today. And we, we must discover it. Let me say it again. Wherever you see the Holy Spirit, you're going to see joy. So you turn me to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. The Bible said there were an upper room and a strong and mighty wind blew through, which is what I got today. I don't think this is the Holy Spirit. This is more like, excuse me, Acts 13. Dear ones, I, I've met people that they claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They make me nervous when they cut loose. I'm, I'm being a little bit unkind, but I want to shock you this morning and get you to look in the Bible and see if what you've seen is true. All through the Bible, anytime you see the Holy Spirit, what else do you see with Him? Let's read Acts 13, last verse in Acts 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with what? Joy and the Holy Spirit. What two things do you always see together? In the Bible, you always see the Holy Spirit and joy together because wherever the Holy Spirit is turned loose, there's going to be joy. Now, I'm going to make an announcement. I, I'm pro-joy. I got two people in this huge crowd that are pro-joy. So I, I just want to make an announcement. Uh, let me go a little further. I'm fixing to get crazy. I like being happy. I, I prefer gladness to misery. I, I like smiling to crying. I, I, maybe that makes me weird. <laughs> I just prefer joy to pain. I prefer joy in the midst of pain. I'm just telling you, I like what Jesus has got to offer. Dear ones, the badge of God is His joy. Now let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's invisible. You can't see Him. The Bible said He's like the wind. You can't see Him. But tell me what you can know about the You know how I know the wind's blowing over at them trees? I can't see the wind, but I see them trees moving. You can't see the Holy Spirit. What is the evidence that He is somewhere? It is the joy He brings with Him. I can't look at a person and say, Oh, I see the Holy Ghost sitting on your shoulder. Because He's invisible. How do I know He's there? And they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The joy of Jesus is the badge of God's presence in our lives. That's why we so, my goodness, we desperately need to retain Him, find Him back again. All right, let me, let me make an announcement here. Because of the day we're living in, and what I think is coming in the future, because I believe the Bible, you're going to need God's strength. You're going to need His help. I needed it before this day. But let me tell you something. There is a divine strength that God gives His people, not so they can crawl through tough times, not so they can have just a few more weary days and then fly away. God said His people will shine during difficult times. Listen, He didn't command them to. He promised them they could. But listen, listen to me. He's got to provide the shine. He is the light. There is, there, is a, there is a Holy Spirit strength that you need for what's coming. Elijah was a great man. He was full of power. 
He had a very difficult journey to make one day. I want you to listen to what God said to him. You are not strong enough for the journey I'm sending you on. That's 1 Kings 19. He said, he said you, you can't do it. You're not strong enough for this journey. I'm going to give you something. And then the Bible said he went in 40 day, He went for 40 days in God's strength. I'm going to make an announcement. You are not strong enough for what's coming. But he's got something for you. And this is why it is so important that we get back to this. This may be a difficult verse to find, but I want you to find it. I want you to mark it in your Bible. I want you to turn back to it, and I want you to remember. Turn with me to Nehemiah, shortest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. Turn to Nehemiah. If you'll find the Psalms and turn left, you'll see Job, and then you'll see another little book that nobody ever reads, and then you'll see Nehemiah. Right after Esther, you'll see Nehemiah going backwards. Psalm, Job, Esther, Nehemiah. And in the book of Nehemiah, I want you to find chapter 8. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says right here. All right, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. These people, were, they'd been through a tough time. They were in a tough time. And I want you to listen to what he says to them, Nehemiah eight ten. Then the Lord said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Some of you have been doing this. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. Send portions to whom for nothing is prepared. This day is holy. Now watch these words. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. What did he tell his people to do in a tough... That by the way, this is a very difficult time they were in. What did he tell them not to do? Do not sorrow. Do not live in sorrow. Do not be broken. And he didn't say, cheer up, guys. He didn't say, come on, guys. He said, the joy of who? This joy comes from the Lord. He said, the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. Can you see there that if you do not have the joy of the Lord, you will not have strength? Dearness, when God gives me a supernatural joy, that is the, I'm not talking about physical strength. It's heart inside strength. Now, I want you to remember that verse and hang on to it. You need the joy of the Lord for the journey you're fixing to go on. And you need the strength that He gives. This is a, a tremendous promise. Let me tell you what I'm seeing today. I'm seeing the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40 fulfilled. Listen to what it says. In that day, the young men will be weary and will faint. The youths will grow tired and struggle. We're living in a day where people are getting weary. They're struggling with things. we got life issues in our nation right now that are wearing people out. I watched one of our leading ministers in our nation this past week. He's just 30-some years old. I watched him speak this past week, and he just sat there. He looked so tired. He said, I am so weary from what's going on in our land. Yes. And people tell me they're struggling with issues. We're going to deal with things we've never dealt with before in the days ahead. I'm telling you the Bible's true. Let me make an announcement. Don't expect things to get better. Expect God's strength to carry you through what's coming. God's answer is not a better environment. It's His power on the inside. And for years now in the American church, we really hadn't needed the Holy Spirit. Sad to say, but we really hadn't needed Him. But when you get in a tough place, you're going to need Him. And, and we need the power that comes from God, from His strength, from His Spirit on the inside. And that's why it is so desperate. Now, all right, I got to do a little, I got a little theological groundwork because a, a lot of preachers disagree with me. People are shocked at this. I want to ask some questions. Is it all right with God if I'm glad? Is it all right with God if I want to live happy? I mean, does He make exceptions for people like me to be happy? I mean, 
said, well, you know how Brother Brian is. He's just one of them. Yeah, praise God, he's one of them. I want you to be one of them too. Now, if you're too well-educated and too sophisticated, please come down here amongst the happy with us. Let me make an announcement. Education is not going to carry you. Now, I'm pro-education. My whole family teaches. I teach. Education is not enough. You're going to need strength. Now, dear ones, it is okay with God if you... You, you think it would be okay. I know that I'm a strange preacher. Do you think it would be all right if I were to want to serve the Lord with gladness instead of heaviness and look real sad? We're watching a movie the other night, me and my sweetheart, who is my wife. You have to clarify that in my line of work. We're watching this movie, and it was a movie about a preacher. It had some ladies doing some things, and I just said to my wife, why does Hollywood always typecast preachers as these neurotic, sad, pathetic, long-faced, saggy old men? She said, that's what y'all are. And I said, no, this ain't right. Dear ones, serve the Lord with gladness. I got to lay some theological groundwork here. All ready? You ready? Not only is it okay, he commands it. Okay, I got three amens. Turn with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Excuse me, Psalm 32. Turn with me to Psalm 32. And I want to show you something in the Bible. Psalm 32. All right, I'm going to show you a verse, and then I'm going to ask you a trick question, so be ready. You know, when I tell you it's a trick question, it means don't answer fast, I'll catch you. All right, Psalm 32, and I can show you many verses that parallel this in the Bible. I just happen to like this one. Psalm 32, 11 says this. Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous and shout for joy, you upright in heart. What's the punctuation? Oh, okay, so edu- maybe education will help you. That's an exclamation mark. So you don't read it like, I've heard ministers read it, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. That's not how it's supposed to be read. An exclamation mark should read like this, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. All right. I know that sounds strange, somebody talking like they're happy in church, Look, 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 look up here. Right there it is, Doc. Ma'am, can I ask you something? Is that a suggestion or a command? God just told, is it all right to be glad? He just told you you got to do it whether you like it or not. I asked a preacher one time, I said, do you tithe? He said, you know I do. Of course I do, Brother Vickers. I said, why do you tithe? And he rolled his eyes. He said, it's in the Bible. I said, oh, you just set yourself up big time. I'm fixing to bring you all the way down. I said the same Bible, and I went on to tell him some other things that was in the Bible he wasn't doing. The same Bible that says I'm supposed to be glad in the rejoice in the Lord. And matter of fact, did that just tell me I have to shout for joy whether I like it or not? You better read it again. Right there it is. Once in a while I'll go through a checkout line at the store or something, and the lady says, you, you sure are happy today, and I'll say I don't have a choice. I have to. It's part of my religion. Can I ask you a question? Why do we take some commands so serious and we don't even believe other ones? The God of heaven will not only let you live glad, He's telling you to right there. I could show you many verses that parallel that right there. One of the reasons that I enjoy ministry is I have to. What do you, how do you interpret serve the Lord with gladness? 
I don't have a choice. And if I get folks in my church that make me miserable, I move them to the Methodist church so I can keep serving the Lord with gladness. If you get a letter this week, you're it. All right? But now, but now let me tell you something. Here's one of the great truths about our great God nobody taught me when I was young. Everything that He commands you to do, He enables you to do. So He not only calls us to serve Him with gladness, He, get, he furnishes the gladness to do it with. That, that's the important part right there. Turn me to Psalm 30. All right, the God who told me to love my wife like Christ loved the church will give me the love to do that from His Holy Spirit. Got it? The God who told me to quit cussing my neighbor will by His Spirit take my cusser out. If you're a legalist and you're in the Old Covenant, nobody can follow this book. But if you're in the New Covenant, you realize everything He asks you to do, He gives you the power to do. And the same God who commands me to serve Him with gladness and be glad gives, furnishes the gladness to do it with. Got me? You say, I just don't believe that gladness is important. What is the... Can I ask you a question? Why did he say in Ephesians 5, 17, understand the will of the Lord. Here is the will of the Lord. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would he compare being filled with the Holy Spirit to being drunk with wine? Some of you should know. Do you, do you not hear what he said right there? You don't need the wine when you got the Holy Spirit. Right, why, do people get, why do people get drunk with wine? To forget. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes my junk away. When I drink, I get happy. That's who he is. You know what he's saying? You don't need to spend the money on booze no more. You got my spirit now. All right. I want you to read me in Psalm 30. Look at me in Psalm 30. Verse 11. This is a crazy verse, but can I ask you a question? Is Psalm 30 in the Bible? Verse 11. You, who's the you he's talking about here? No, he's talking about God here. He's saying, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Tell me what God does to people. Does he make them sad and heavy or does he make them dance? I have actually been in churches before where people were offended because somebody danced. Take it up with the one who made them dance. All right, right there it is. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my grave clothes, and God clothes people with what? What does God clothe people with? What did he say? You took off those grave clothes and my sadness, and God made me glad and made me dance. Tell me what God does to people. Right there it is. You say, well, he never done that to me. Aren't you glad you're here today? We will all be glad you were here today once you get it. Your wife will really be glad when you quit whining and start dancing. Can I get a witness? Your boss will be thrilled when you quit whining and get glad. God, praise God. Companies should pay me for this kind of stuff. Listen to me. You tell me in that verse, does God not furnish the gladness that he commands us to live in? You're the one who makes me glad. He has, somebody should write a song. He has made me glad. T turn with me to chapter 4, Psalm chapter 4. Now, you may say, well, all these verses are out of the Psalms. I want you to ask my king something sometime. When you're praying, ask him this. Why did you put the Psalms right in the center of the Bible, and why are they the biggest book in the Bible? You just ask him that sometime. 
Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you what he told me. You can listen to what he tells you. Because the praise and the worship and the celebration of God should be central in your life, and they should be the biggest thing in your life. All right, I want you to look at me in Psalm chapter 4. Good gracious, somebody come up here and catch me before I blow away. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7 says this, You have put gladness in my heart. Who puts gladness in people's hearts? The living God does. Watch this. More than in the season when their grain and wine increase. Your neighbor gets a raise and he's happy. God's going to put something in your heart going to make you happier than a raise. I mean, he said, I don't care what else, make, whatever makes people happy, God has put more gladness in that in my heart. I just wanted to see who the author was. A little theological study about gladness here. I'm going to make an announcement. It's going to sound strange. To, to show you how out of sync the American church has gotten with the Spirit of God, when you go into the average church or you get around the average believer and they really got the joy of Jesus, people go, man, that's really a happy Christian right there. No, that's normal. Ain't that better than two amens? It is terrible when normal starts to look abnormal. You know what's normal? A celebration is normal. I go into a saloon and they're hollering and singing and carrying on and everybody's laughing. You say, it's the booze, it's the booze. I didn't know that. Thank you. I go to a stinking rock concert. Well, I don't go. I watch a rock concert. I don't watch it pass by. Or a country concert. They're out there hollering and singing and swaying over some woman's rear end. I go into a church, look like they've been vaccinated with pickle juice and stuff with a curtain rod. What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> All right, I'm just telling you, we're a little out of sync here. All right. Now, I, know, I can hear you thinking out there. I can hear you thinking. Do you not know what's going on in the earth today? I heard, I, here's what I hear people say. Under these circumstances... Since when did the circumstances start dictating my life? I thought Jesus was the Lord of my life. All right, let me help you with this. That's why the book of Philippians is so great. The man writing his book is in his 60s. He served God for years. He has been abused terribly. Nine different times he has been tied to a whipping post and whipped 39 times with a whip. He has suffered tremendously. He's just been arrested for preaching the gospel. He's been found guilty. He's sitting in a prison. Don't think American prison cell. Think raw sewage on a nasty dirt floor, chained, and he's been sentenced to death. And in just he can look out the window and see the block that in just a few days his head will roll from. Tell me what's going on in your life. And this man in that hellish, horrible circumstance, no fault of his own, writes this book, and when you squeeze this book, joy runs out of it like water out of a dish rag. And he sits in this, in this most horrible circumstance and he says, I rejoice, my joy is full, the joy of the Lord is in my life. I'm telling you rejoice all the time. Why did the, why did the king set that up like that? To show you that even in the most horrible circumstances, the joy of the Lord supersedes your circumstances. That, that's the primary message of that book that there's a joy greater than our circumstances that we need to live in. That's the message. All right. You say, all right, Brother Brian, you've convinced me. I'll take a load of that joy. There is a load. Now, now I just heard somebody else say, 
Y'all didn't know I could hear you think, did you? So that's not my personality. Time out. Let me go tell God he didn't know about you before he wrote all this stuff. Listen to what the Bible says. Let all, what's the word all mean? Let all those who follow him rejoice in him. All. All right. As I said, I think we got our theology straight. We need more than theology to live. You need the power of God. Your, your theology can be perfect. You can believe perfect and be as, I mean, you can be straight as a shotgun barrel and be just as empty. How many believers do I know? They are good people. They pay their taxes. They pay their tithes. They wouldn't hurt their neighbor. They try to do the best they can, but they're missing the joy of God's Spirit. All right. Two requirements to have the joy of God's Spirit in our lives. And this is, I think, where we've missed it in the American church. Number one is the word, it's our favorite word, the word repentance. It's what I thought, repentance. I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 51. Some Bible keys to, I want you to listen to what the king said here. Restore to me, not my salvation. Do you mind know the verse? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Psalm chapter 51, uh, if you're familiar with this psalm, it is the, it's actually a prayer. It was penned by King David. This man had been blessed by God for years and years and years. But in his, in his older years, I mean, he wasn't near as old as I am. In his older years, he went crazy. He, he did so good. He, was, he walked with God. God blessed him like no man's ever been blessed. And the Bible said in the days that kings went into battle, David stayed home. There was his mistake right there. He decided he had arrived and he sat down. Dear ones, when you sit down, you're going to get killed. And I don't mean physically. I mean when you think you've got there, you're in trouble. That's when he saw that woman bathing. He knew it was somebody else's wife. He committed a grievous sin. He killed her husband. Did God disown him? Does anybody know? No, no, God, you're still his child. God didn't disown him. But what did God do to him? What, what was the punishment for his sin? He took his joy away from him. And for one year he was... This is the man who wrote half of the Psalms. This is the greatest worship... This is the greatest musician that's ever lived in world history. This is the man God used to bring such joy to people's lives. And he sinned greatly against... He didn't make a minor league mistake. He sinned greatly... And he would not repent, so for one year he sat miserable on his throne until one day a little country preacher came in and confronted him. And he went into, and he, he, he said, I am wrong. I've sinned. This is not right. And he went into the temple and he prayed, and Psalm 51 is the prayer that he prayed in that temple. Now I want you to read with me what he said, a little bit of what he said in Psalm 51. Verse 4, he said this, Psalm 51, 4. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And you're right. And I want to make an announcement. In spite of everything we're being taught in this nation, in spite of the craziness of what some preachers are teaching, sin is still wrong. It, it's, not that, it's not that nobody will love you anymore. It will cost you something. All right, now watch what he said in Psalm 51. I want you to see this. Look with me in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Now, he's praying this to God. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear what? Joy and gladness again that the bones you have broken may rejoice. 
Verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me and restore to me the joy of your salvation. He was still a child of God, but his sin robbed him of the presence of God in his life. And it cost him what? The gladness, the joy of the Holy Spirit. That this man was still a child of God, but he lost all the excitement and the passion and the joy that God brought into his life. Here's the message. You can have sin or you can have the joy of Jesus and the power of God. You've got to make a decision. And one of the reasons we've lost the joy of God in our churches is we have forgotten you can't live in sin and know the presence of God. You can be a believer. You can go to church. You might go to heaven when you die, but you're going to go through hell on the way to get there. Therefore, I would highly encourage you, we need to repent and keep a tender, clean heart before God. It's not because sin is nasty. It's because it will rob you. All right, repentance. But now listen, you can be a believer and be repentant and still not have His joy. Here's the part where so many people are missing it. We're going to spend some more time learning about this. Number two, you have to release the joy that is inside of you. That you uh, I'm telling you, the very joy of God is inside of you if you're born again. But you have to do something to turn it on. I'm planning on driving home in my truck. But I, got, I, got, I can either drive it home or I can push it home. I prefer to drive it because pushing is hard and I'm old. Guess what I have to do before I can drive it? Did somebody just say crank it? Yes, yes. You have to crank it up before you can drive it. Congratulations. You, you get your candy bar afterwards. You have to crank it before it'll run. Can I make an announcement? You have to crank the joy of God up inside of you before it'll run. You, don't wait on Him. He's waiting on you. Okay, you're looking at me funny. Turn me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. You have to crank up the joy of God that is inside of you. I think the actual Bible word is stir up. Stir and crank means the same thing. All right. We're in 2 Timothy. Let me tell you about this boy right here. He's a young, young guy. Maybe the youngest preacher in the Bible. 27 churches in the Bible. Three of them are what you'd call mega churches, huge churches. He pastored one of them. He pastored the church at Ephesus. It was a preaching, eating machine. I mean, this church will kill you right here. And uh, he had written a letter to his Uncle Paul, who was also his bishop, who put him in that church. And he read him, wrote him a letter and said, Dear Uncle Paul, get me the hell out of here. They're killing me. And he, he, he wanted out of that church so bad because he was they were beating on him. It was a hard church. The, the circumstances were difficult. Why is it that everybody in the Bible is in a hard place? It was very tough. The old ladies were wearing him out. I mean, it was rough. And it was so bad that it had started to affect his health. He had ulcers. That's why Paul wrote in that same letter and he said, don't just use water. Drink a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. They're bothering him so bad he's got ulcers now. Can I get a witness? It's a very difficult place. So he writes him a letter and says, I want out of here. So his uncle Paul writes him a letter back and says, you ain't going nowhere. Somebody amen that. You tell God, this husband's killing me. Get me a new one. You may just tell you what he's going to say and save you to trouble. No, sir, you're going to keep the same one you got. You don't need a new husband. I can't give a one amen out of that. You don't need a new husband. You don't need a new wife. Female amen. You don't need a new wife. 
You don't need a new mom and daddy. You don't need a new job. You don't need a new boss. Let's quit looking at me like that. You don't need a new preacher. God's answer is not to fix your circumstances. It is to put something inside of you. So he tells him, son, I'm not going to move you. I'm going to leave you right there. But I want you to look what he tells him to do in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to what? Stir up the gift of God that what? Is in you. He said, son, what you need to shine is already in there, but you're not stirring it up. And if you want to look it up sometime, 1 Timothy 4, he said this. You are neglecting the gift that God gave you to be able to do this. Quit neglecting the gift God gave you. The power and joy of God was in him, but he was not stirring it up. He said, and of course you can read verse 7. If you've ever been there, he said this. God didn't give you that spirit of fear. Tell me what God gives us. Power and love and confidence, a sound mind and the joy of Jesus. Can you imagine all that is in him, but he wasn't stirring it up. He didn't know what to do. Demons, is this just written to him or is this written to me and you? I got the joy of Jesus inside of me. But the Bible teaches you and I that we have to stir it up for it to work. All right, you've got to release that joy within you. Now, I'm going to finish what I quoted a little earlier. I quoted Ephesians 5.18. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine. You don't need it anymore. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I were to ask you right now, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's not, listen, it's not one of them, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, I should be. It's not, a, it's not a should be, it's a get to be. Who has a problem with the love and joy of Jesus being inside of us? It's a get to be. But did you notice he said you have to do something? I right, listen to it. Let me finish it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves, to one another, in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, and in everything giving thanks. How do you turn on the gift that's within you? The praise and the worship of God raises the spirit up inside of you. And this is, this is why it's not music because it's cool. We have got to become worshipers. If you don't become a worshiper, you'll never know the strength of God. You'll never know. I'm not talking about what we do at church on Sunday. I'm talking about you privately. All right, let me give you an example. Let me show you a picture here. When I go in the mornings, I know that you don't start with theology. You don't start by trying to understand mentally. Before you do anything you do, you have to get where God is. You have to enter His gates. You have to come into His presence, and we need to do it all the time. Here's what I do every morning in my life. I get up, I go out to my little office behind the house there, wherever I'm staying at at the time, I'll go somewhere. And I always start with, the, open the Bible, I read the same, I start with the same verse every morning. Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord because He is good and His mercy endures forever. And then I put my Bible down. And then I pick up the Baptist hymnal. These are not Baptist hymns, they're just compiled by the Baptist. I pick up the Baptist hymnal and I might open it to number 434 and I'll just open it and I'll begin to sing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. And I'll just sing. He keeps me singing. And then I might turn over to 189. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I'll just sing through that song. And then I might turn over and then I'll just, and I'll just sing three or four songs. And all of a sudden, about the middle of the second song, I hear something go, hum, hum, hum. 
You know, about the third song, it's really getting cranked up. And then about the fourth song, it's just, we're just having the best time. And I literally sensed the presence of God just rise up on the inside. Guess what I just did? I just stirred up the gift of God that was within me. And now I'll just pray. His presence comes. You, you got to go into His presence. You got to stir it up yourself. Now, let me ask you a question. You wake up in the morning, you stayed up too late. <laughs> That's why you're grouchy when you wake up. You stayed up too late, you slept too late, you're in a hurry, you grab your coffee, you got your muffin in one hand, your coffee in the other hand, got a mascara stick sticking down here, the youngins are in the back, you're whacking them, you're trying to paint your face, eat your muffin, drink your coffee, got some crap blaring on the radio, and you wonder why your day sucks. You wonder why you're so grouchy and miserable, and then you go home and you're all condemned. I was so I was ugly today, I was mad today. Dear ones, he was there the whole time, but you never gave him a chance to rise up. You say, if I was to do that, I'd have to spend some time with God. It's going to cost you something. Let me make an announcement. It is well worth it. I set the tone of the day through praise. Now you say, well, I I like hymns. I like old hymns because I'm an old man. You don't have to go buy you a Baptist hymnal. I don't care if you don't know anything except Jesus loves me this. Sing it till something hits you. But you have got to, and I don't care if you don't sing it. You can just bow your heads. I want to thank you that I'm alive today. I thank you that the sun's shining. I thank you that I got legs to get out of this bed. Some people don't. I thank you I got somebody to love me. I thank you I live in the land of the free and the home of the crazy. I thank, but you, you've got to do something to stir it up. But you, he's standing there waiting on you to show up so he can pour his grace out on you. Now the problem is we leak. We do. How many of you can charge your cell phone expect it to work for three months? A lot of you can't make it through today. I know you can't because I'll see you sitting somewhere with a cord about six inches long plugged in and you down there got your head against the wall and you plugged in. Ran out of gas, didn't it? Why does the Bible say in Ephesians 5.18, be being continually filled with His Spirit? Why does He say we have to do it over and over and over and over? Because we leak. How many of you have ever just been so full of love and joy and peace and so good to people and kind, and you woke up the next morning and you had the temperament of a pit bull going through menopause? And Where did that come from? God's Spirit is not permanent in you for His strength. He's there all the time, but if you don't stir it up, He won't release His power inside of you. Guess why we sing in church? It's my guess. It's not because the preacher can't take the whole hour. Can I get a witness? That's how we get to God. We touch God with worship and singing. It's not some side thing. I'm going to say it again. Why is the book of Psalms the biggest book in the Bible and right in the middle of the Bible? Because the worship of God should be the biggest part of your life and it should be central to your life. We've, got to get, we've tried to build a church on theology, but we forgot we need the power of God in it. All right, let me, let me help you understand this. Now, you, you can always... Uh, Some people call it a quiet time. You ever heard of that? Mine's not very quiet. I just call it a God time. Ain't no sense being quiet when you're out there singing and getting happy. But dear ones, we have lost something in our churches. When I first got saved in the 1970s and we went to church, guess what old people, guess what we'd say back then? We're going to get happy in the Lord today. 
And we did it. We sang till we turned the place upside down. Brother Roberts, if it, it hit him, he was 80-some years old, always wore the same black suit. And when the Spirit of God came in there, he'd get out in the aisle and just dance a jig and just dance round and round, dance a little jig. And it wasn't this bunny hop mess that we're doing in church now. I mean, it was just joy of Jesus. Now, we've gotten away from the Holy Ghost in our churches and we've started depending on the intellectual. We need to go back to the power of God and the Spirit of God in our lives and in our churches because we need the strength in the matter. Let me illustrate this. Katie and I first got married. We lived in a farmhouse in a place called Siler City, North Carolina. Aunt B shopped at the Piggly Wiggly when I lived in Siler City back in the early 80s. And we lived in an old farmhouse that didn't have any heat in it. Had a wood stove right in the middle of it. And um, that's the only heat we have is that wood stove. So I'd, it'd be warm, but we'd go to bed at night, and it'd be good and warm in the house because she likes it about 105 all the time. Keep it good and warm in the house. Then we go to bed, slept in a water bed, so that, you know, it's like sleeping on a hot water bottle. And uh, you wake up in the morning, the, wood, the stove had broke. No, it wasn't broke, it just died down. Because you can't build a fire inspector to last forever. You can't expect today's fire to last forever. So we wake up, no, it'd be cold. Well, she ain't getting out of bed when it's cold. Guess which one got voted? So I'd get out of the bed, I'd go in there and open the stove, old Lakewood stove, and I'd put, fill it full of wood. I'd cock the doors and set the draft, get that thing roaring, and I would, it's called kindling. I would kindle that thing up, get it good and hot till it was smoking. By the way, that 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, where it says, stir up the gift that's within you. It is the Greek word, kindle. Make the fire hot again. It's your responsibility. I'd get it good and warm, and then I'd holler, it's, hard, it's warm in here, and she'd jump out of the bed, run in there, and back up to the stove. I'd go on making coffee. Once in a while, she'd get too close and holler because she'd burned her tail feathers, got up against it like that. But it was, it was a great stove. It'd heat the house, but if you didn't throw the wood to it, it'd be gone in a few hours. That's your heart. You have to constantly stir up and kindle the gift of God that's within you you say, how do I know when it's burning? Take my word for it. If you look like that, it ain't. There's a joy inside of you, but you've got to stir it up. And you've got to press the issue. We've got to get back to the joy of Jesus is our strength that's on the inside there. And we've got to learn to stir this thing up. All right, one final thing we're done. We're going to talk about this for a while, but we have got to bring back living in the Spirit in the American church. And if they won't do it, this one will. All right. Now, let me deal with one problem that I see, and this is scriptural. The pride of our land has cost us the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, there were people who were too proud to worship, and they had to do without. They said, Brother Brian, if I, if I sing and stuff like that, I'll look stupid. You sure will. Let me ask you a question. Do you want the power of God, or do you want to look good? Let me make an announcement. Looking good and dragging your rear end, that might bless you and not helping you any. We need to humble ourselves and say, I want to walk with you again. In the Bible, there's a story of a man named Naaman who said, I need God's help. And God said, I'll help you. He said, good. What do you want me to do? He said, go jump in the river. The man was dying. He said, go jump in the river. He got mad and he said, I am not about to walk down there and jump in that river and look like an idiot in front of all them women. I am a general. And I ain't letting a bunch of women see me jump in the river. So you know what happened? 
God changed his mind and said, then you just tell me how you want me to be and we'll do it your way. Does anybody know if that's what happened? That is not what happened. Dear ones, look right here. He will give you everything you need, but it's going to be on his terms. We don't need to change God to suit us. We need to change us to line up with him. Heaven's blessings there. So the man's going to die. So he marks off mad and said, I'd rather die than look like an idiot. Let me make an announcement. If you'd rather die than look like an idiot, that's pretty idiotic. And a servant came up and said, look, just, just do what he said to do. So the man went down and then women stared and said, why do you reckon that general is going down in that water and dunking his head like that? And he did it and he came up and the Bible said he was healed. Now, a lot of people said, pray for me that I'll have the power of God. won't help. You get up tomorrow morning and you get alone and you meet God and you worship Him and you thank Him and you praise Him and you do that every day for the rest of your life, His strength will carry you and you can live in it. We need the joy of Jesus back in our lives again. One more thing. Can I ask you to do something for me? Just leave us alone. Those of us who enjoy the joy of Jesus and want to sing and holler and dance and smile and ride, out, ride around, you can't raise both hands when you're driving, but you can raise one of them. And those of us who just love the joy of Jesus and want to look goofy when we should be looking very serious, just look the other way and pay us no attention, will you? Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the word of the living God. I praise you and thank you that when you said in the book of Revelation, come up here, there's a way we can do it. We can come up into the presence of our great God and we can live there and we can enjoy it and we can know your presence through worship. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for every person that's here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that there is a joy for the journey that we find in becoming worshipers before you. I want to pray for every person individually. You're a father who loves people individually. Not everybody will do it like I do it. I pray in Jesus' name, take every single person and teach them how to walk with you personally. Fashion their hearts individually. I trust you for that. I give you all the praise and glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank